We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Today is Monday, November 18th. I'm Jeff Erickson. As always, we are sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Today I'm doing the show with Chris Liss, as we always do on Monday. Liss, how's your Monday going? Or gone in the case, in your case? It's all right. It's all right. I've been getting my stuff done. You know, I just yeah. got a, I just did a sporkle quiz I just created for uh, East Coast Offense. So I finished that tonight. Nice. What's the Could quiz this fantasy week? Fantasy quarterbacks. Okay. It's fantasy quarterbacks. And there's it's fantasy points per game and their scoring system is a little running quarterback friendly. It's minus two for a pick. It's a point every 25 passing yards, four points for a passing six points for a rushing touchdown, but that's pretty normal. It's not like out there and you would not believe that one, two, three quarterbacks from 2019 are in the top 18 of all time. This, this quiz sponsored by Lamar Jackson. Uh, yeah, you, you want to guess where he ranks overall, all time on a per game basis, like fifth. in this sort of running f- friendly scoring system, like f- fourth or fifth. Nope. He ranks first. Oh, wow. Okay. 
I, I was trying to you wonder uh, why your crap team that you drafted Lamar Jackson with is doing well. Now you got your answer. Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, I got him in the, I got him in a lot of places. I can't believe I didn't get him everywhere. Cause I was all in, you know, I thought I was all in on, him, but I wasn't all in enough on him because I don't have him in 13 leagues. I only have him in like six, but, uh, it, it's, it's crazy how good he's been and how it, he's carrying every team that's got him. It's like Mahomes last year. Mahomes last year has to be one of those guys too. Right. He's fourth. Now, if you're doing NFFC scoring, I think Mahomes might be ahead of Jackson. Yeah. But this, again, this is four point passing TDs and you lose more for interceptions. You lose two points per inter, per interception and you, yeah, you, and it's a uh, point every 25, not 20 passing yards. Yeah. Well, Mahomes didn't have that many uh, interceptions last year either though. He had 12. I mean, it's, okay. It was more know, than I thought. Lamar has five. Yeah. I mean, on a per game basis, it costs Mahomes a little bit. I think it's really the 25 to 20 and the six point passing TDs that make the difference. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah. What scoring system is this like NFLs or no, it's from pro football reference. So when you basically just sort by fantasy points, you get their default system, which I looked up and, you know, again, people use that. So it's, it's good enough. It's not the NFFC, which is what I would sort it by, but even so I don't want to spoil that. Well, I'll spoil it. Just, not everybody listens to the podcast, reads the article, but um, number nine is a guy from 1961. And I'm looking, I'm like, how could he possibly compete with modern day quarterbacks? And he had 36 TD passes, but uh, excuse Bless me, you. Uh, he, had, he had 36 TD passes, but he had 22 interceptions and he only had 12 rushing yards. So how is he ninth overall in the scoring system? Well, if you remember what else George Blanda did for the Raiders, <laughs> I guess yeah. it's Houston. He's Houston there. He's not even Raiders, but uh, for Houston in 1961, he's also the kicker. So that I know that's what really QB kicker. Know, that's helped. a unique combo there. Yeah, it's better than Danny White QB punter. But yeah, the punter doesn't do anything for you. Right. Uh, let's speaking of cowboy quarterbacks, uh, you, you spent a decent amount of time on, uh, your, your observations article talking about how good Dak is. I, he's, and, and you and Mario both were pretty, uh, you know, very glowing in your praise on Dak. I mean, he's got a less than a hundred percent Amari Cooper and it doesn't even skip a beat. He is just cranking this year. Yeah. I wasn't really saying how great he is in real life, although he's obviously at least good in real life. Just that when you drafted Dak Prescott this year, you were like, well, you know, he's good for like 3,600 passing yards, but he'll get you like 400 rushing yards and four or five rushing touchdowns too. So so it was a very, whenever you do projections, those running quarterbacks always come out really high. So he was like 11th or 10th on my board. It was like, yeah, he's, you know, Dak is really safe because that rushing floor helps. Right. Well, he's leading the NFL in passing yards by a mile by like 200 yards and he's had his buy already. So he's having a monster year. He's the 15th most points in this system of all time on a per game basis. So, you know, he, he's on pace for just a, he's averaging, you know, 10 games, he's averaging 322 passing yards a game. So if you're averaging 300, that's 4,800 and then 16 times 20, 22, you know, it's another, you know, 320 yards. So he's, he's at 5120 basically, right? He's over 5,100 yards right now on a per game basis. He's averaging two touchdowns a game passing. So, you know, again, that's well, a little more. So about 34 touchdown passes and he's got three rushing touchdowns. So you see why he's having such a huge year. 
And his uh, explosion has coincided with the Zeke being very ordinary lately. You know, he, you know, he, I, we have really haven't seen, you know, it hasn't been a bad season for Ezekiel you know, If you have him, you're, you're, you're fine with what he's given you. But I mean, you look at his line and he gets there because he's getting, you know, he, he scores a lot. He's, he's getting that for you, but he's had five 100 yard games. Last two games, 47 and 45 yards apiece. He's not getting the monster receiving games that he had last year. He only has six targets his last three games combined. Uh, he just He's had a couple of games where he's had seven targets, but he's had a lot of games where he's had three targets. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's kind of he, – he's, he's still a first-round guy, but he's not that prohibitive top three guy. No, he's not. Last year he had 77 catches, and this year he's on pace for like 50. Yeah. It's a big difference. I mean, and then also Tony Pollard, I think had four catches yesterday and Zeke had one or two. So that's a little concerning. Like what if Tony Pollard becomes the, you know, the main guy also last year, Zeke had 300 carries, 304 carries. He had 11, 20 yard runs this year. He has only one 20 yard run. So that's kind of significant. He's not really breaking off big runs. He's still averaging 4.3 yards per carry down from 4.7, but that's, you know, within the margin of error kind of, but not a lot of explosive long runs, definitely reduced production in the receiving game. And last year, I don't know why he had so few touchdowns. That was sort of anomalous given the carries he had, but he's gotten his touchdowns back at least. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and yeah, it, you know, again, we're picking nits. I mean, he's still giving you, you're, you're still not losing by having him right now, but you just, he's not the monster that we are hoping for either. Uh, and the thing is, Pollard's actually pretty good. You know, it's, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if they find more ways to get both of them on the field at the same time. Uh, Cause I think that could be effective. Uh, I, I, there was some rumbling about that. Perhaps uh, this upcoming week, week 12, they play the Pats and the Pats have trouble sometimes accounting for two back sets. So there's some discussion that maybe that's the way to attack the Pats defense, which is so good. Otherwise. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, it doesn't really fantasy wise. People are talking way too much. Oh, Hunt and Chubb are on the field at the same time. I don't care if they're on the field at the same time. Who's getting the ball? There's only one ball. It's not like, oh, well, you know, we, we got in that whole debate about snap count. And I'm like, well, who cares about the snap count if they're both on the field at the same time? It just lets talk about which one's getting the carries. Snap count matters for. I mean, well, Chubb's I guess getting it matters the carries. Like, he, he's, he had like 27 carries on Thursday night. Well, he had 27 carries and he had one target. And yeah, I think. Well, the targets nine. are, and the targets, to be fair, the targets are more valuable than the carries in a Way PPR environment and just in a per, mean, y- per yard per play basis, too. But, well, they're more valuable in a per play basis because backs get like seven, eight yards right. per, you know, catch, not that many per target, but probably like five, six per target because they catch most of their targets and uh, they get, you know, four and a half per carry. So you're getting a, another yard and a half. But in PPR, uh, it's much more than just the little bit of extra yardage you get. It's the, it's the 10 yard, you know, one catch is worth 10 yards. So if you're getting seven catches, it's 70 yards rushing. Nick Chubb had 27 carries for 92 yards, no touchdowns. He got me 9.2 points in the NFFC. That's not right. going to cut it right. for my second round pick. Right. 9.2. So, you know, Kareem Hunt had a lot more points than him in, in PPR. So it's, you know, I don't care who's on the field at the same time. I just, I want to know who's getting the, you know, the carries and the key 
work, you know, at the goal line and, and in the passing game. Well, and that's just the thing. Chubb was getting carries at the goal line just the last two weeks. They haven't been able to convert. I don't think that. Yeah, but that's not I, I think Chubb, but it's just, it, yeah, you got to, if you're not score. getting the catches, you got to get the touchdowns period. Right. That, that's the thing. He's going to, the touchdowns are going to be there for him. He's good. And as you said, they're giving him opportunities, but Kareem Hunt was in on one goal line carry. Right. So that's a little concerning if they share that at all. Once you lose the catches and two, you just become very touchdown dependent. If you're just, if you're not really part of the passing game. And as I said, I think he'll get his, there'll be games where he scores two or even three, maybe one game, but you're sort of just hoping for the touchdowns. Right. Whereas the PPR guys, I mean, Christian McCaffrey, his team scored three points. He scored 30 PPR points. I mean, that's just insane. I think he only had like, I don't know, 15 carries or something. And Chubb had 27, but Chubb scored 9.2 and McCaffrey scored 30. So that, you know, you can see how the catches are everything. I mean, 11 catches, which is unusually big even for him, but it's just PPR is just all about the pass catching running backs. If you go to the overall standings, whether it's the classic or the online, I bet you you're going to see a lot of people in the overall that are first or that drafted second, third, or sometimes first. And it's because you have such a huge advantage starting with McCaffrey. Oh, it's enormous. I mean, the Michael Thomas guy, you know, who probably went between seven and like 14, is also looking pretty good. Michael Thomas has got one of the craziest all-time PPR receiver seasons. So he's he's also carrying teams. But yeah, I, I picked second in the league and I was so pissed when someone sniped, you know, Barkley. I was hoping Barkley was going to be number two because again, last year McCaffrey had like 210 carries. I was like, how can you compare him to a running back who is the exclusive goal line back who He's going to get 280 carries and probably only 10 fewer catches. Of course, of course I want Barkley. Right. Someone took Barkley. So I got stuck with McCaffrey. I'm glad I didn't get cued and try to take, you know, Alvin Kamara or somebody. And I'm glad Zeke was uh, holding out at the time because I would have definitely taken Zeke over McCaffrey. No question. Yeah. Even in PPR because Zeke caught 77 balls last year. So I would have taken Zeke. <laughs> so just because I got sniped on Barkley and Zeke was holding out, I got stuck with McCaffrey. Yeah, I'm going through like the online championship and just looking at the rosters. You know, it's hard to find someone in the top 10 who doesn't have McCaffrey. It's crazy. There's one team that took Dalvin Cook at eight, I think. He has a Dalvin Cook, Lamar Jackson guy. Uh, but like the top three teams are all McCaffrey. Fifth is McCaffrey. Six, seven, eight, nine, and 10, all McCaffrey. I mean, it's like eight out of the 10 top 10 people in the online championship are all McCaffrey guys. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is you could have got McCaffrey, Lamar Jackson and the Patriots defense and still loaded your team with a whole bunch of other good players. Like, right. the, you know, Lamar Jackson, Patriots defense for free. So you get McCaffrey and those two and you couldn't have got McCaffrey and Thomas. He, Thomas would never fall that far, but you certainly, you know, I got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin with my next two picks. You could definitely get that. Mm-hmm. You could have gotten, you know, pl- some, some other it rarely could you've gotten Dalvin cook that late, maybe one or two leagues, but it's pretty crazy. The guy, the, there's somebody has got to have Dalvin cook, Michael Thomas on the turn, which is just about probably better than McCaffrey and whoever you get in the second round. Well, I'm looking the top non McCaffrey team is a Dalvin cook guy. John Posma. He won the baseball on uh, main event overall. 
He's t- he's fourth in the football online championship. That's pretty good range right there. Uh, he, he's a Dalvin Cook guy, uh, but he picked eight. Does he have Thomas too? No, he doesn't. In fact, his first round pick was a waste. He had David Johnson in the first round. It's on Oof. his bench. He benched him this week, so he didn't even you know he's not even starting him. He had he's got Derrick Henry on his bench this week, so that was a tough, tough you know tough week for him to get through. But he, he had a lot of smart things that went right. But you know he I I'm almost more impressed that with that that. At drafting out of the eight spot, you, ta- you light your first round pick on fire, and you're fourth overall in the online championship. Yeah, the David Johnson pick was crap. I, I had him pretty high though. I had, I think I had him like fifth. I mean, you're looking at PPR running backs, and you're like, okay, <clears throat> who's gonna get me 250 carries and 80 catches? And Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson. I mean, those guys were gonna get that. Yeah, you're supposed to get that. Right, and. You know, just didn't go right. Exactly. There's, you know, Dalvin Cook. I mean, Zeke. Zeke was like, you know, when he was holding out and he's going seventh or eighth or wherever he's going. Yeah, that's fine. We talked about it. It's fine to have gotten Zeke there. It's certainly better than Bell or Johnson or even Hopkins. I think Hopkins been okay, but man, Michael Thomas. I'm surprised there's not more Michael Thomas owners in the in the top fifteen. Yeah, me too. Well, and I'll I'll have to dig on that a little bit later to see. You know, you know what I think it is? Data. I think that I think that their the receivers have been so disappointing at the top that a lot of people have gotten the John Browns and the um I'm trying to think who else has really done well. You know, the um uh DJ Charks and those guys late. But there's so few running backs you could have got late. Right. So it, it really hurts not to start off with one of the star running backs. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, and and it, and it really hurts to whiff on your first rounder. Really hurts. You know, I yeah, it, it, there, there, you can tell there's a pretty direct correlation on the leagues where you uh, if you got nothing out of your first pick, how badly you're doing in the in the standings in your league. You can overcome one miss though. It's if you get if you hit two out of your first three, you're probably still okay. Yeah, I mean, you don't expect to get all three, right? Like in the uh, in the other B Chrysalis League, I, I've got to see. I'm probably going to lose today, but if I win, I'm still in it marginally. I, I got so many points last week that I was back in it suddenly. But uh, I got Barkley, which I consider kind of a whiff, given the, all the time he's missed and the terrible game he had last last week before the bye. And then my second and third picks were Fournette and no, sorry, my second pick was Chubb who is fine at pick 24. He's good at pick 24, but he's not like he's not carrying me. And then I had Fournette Kittle in, in the three, four turn. That's okay. But you know, that I, that's kind of par for the course, right? Like that kind of draft. That's like what you kind of expect. Like they're all doing something. They've all done something, but not enough. Not great. Right. That's right. And like, I, I've got a Barkley, my, my first online championship league, I drafted second, you know, McCaffrey went one in that one there, unfortunately. Go, it went, uh, I went Barkley, Gurley, Tate, I mean, not Tate, uh, Diggs, and Galladay were my first four picks. And I started off terribly, but it's not that bad, though. No, it's not. It, I'm, I'm six and four. Uh, with, yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, okay, but you didn't get one of the key guys, and right. team probably is not going to win. So I'm nowhere in the overall, but, 
I could sneak in like second or third place in my league if everything that, works. That's right. what I'm doing. That's exactly what that team. That's like a team that you scratch and claw and hope to get lucky. And it probably will get, you never know in the playoffs, right? 14 through 16, weird stuff can happen. I remember I dropped Derrick Henry last year because it's PPR. He hadn't done much. They weren't using him that much. And I needed to pick up like some kickers and defenses. And I had like four running backs that were ahead of Henry on my personal depth chart. And then Henry just absolutely went insane for 14 through 16. And I couldn't believe it. I wouldn't have won anyway. I would have maybe taken 50th or a hundred. I don't know, whatever it would have been, but I couldn't believe I actually literally dropped the guy who had the best fantasy playoffs last year. Let's talk about another game changer in just a second. But first, Armchair Quarterback is a real, real-time real game where you predict the next play during a live football broadcast. You know what the next play is going to be. Predict it and earn points. Climb the leaderboard and increase your chances to win tickets and other prizes. It's the perfect way to make watching games more exciting. We have a special league for all Rotowire subscribers, and we'll be posting the leaderboard online and be mentioning them here. This week, we're playing to the Chiefs-Chargers game on Monday night, so hopefully you're listening before the Monday night game because, you know, Hindsight won't win you the prize, but you can also form your own league with your fantasy friends. The full schedule and game information is available at armchairquarterback.com. Armchair quarterback, make every game bigger. So a guy that's kind of busting out the last two weeks, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say I did not have him active in one, this same online league where I'm scrapping. I used Devin Singletary in the flex instead of him, is Debo Samuel. Big game on Monday night against the Seahawks. Yesterday against the Cardinals, eight for one thirty-four. I don't know. He looks the part to me, Chris. He looks like the real deal. I agree. He catches the ball. He's just confident. Gets the ball, and then he's looking to injure other people. You know, I mean, they're going to tackle him, but he's going to crush them and break, break as many tackles as he can. Maybe a little bit of a dangerous style of play, but um, I, I just, you know, it just he's ready. You know, he's ready for the NFL. It's he does. He, he just makes plays happen. So I think he's going to be good. And they gave him a ton of targets, even with Sanders healthy last week. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. And, and Sanders was kind of healthy. He was active at yeah. least. I don't know about healthy, but he, right. he, he's still regardless. He looks good. He looks like he's someone that, you know, could make a big impact down the stretch. You mentioned Derek Henry, I think, and it's, we're kind of caught, I'm kind of caught up in the moment right now, but, I like the way, I like the way he looks. I think he's going to be really good. Yeah, Debo Samuel does look good. Um, Derek Henry, by the way, is a monster. Like, yeah, I didn't. I don't have any shares of him. I just couldn't justify it in PPR, even though he had such a good finish last year. And he's just he's just a really good running back, running behind a good offensive line. And he's one of the rare backs. It's kind of like what Chubb's ceiling is, right? If everything goes well and he gets the touchdowns, that's Derek Henry. It's like the guy that. Well, it's be better if he caught some passes, but he's getting a lot of yardage and a, and a lot of touchdowns. The funny thing is when he does catch a pass, it's usually a big deal. You remember week one against the Browns, he had that screen pass that went for like 75 yards. He had, another, he had a similar thing against the uh, Chargers where he caught a screen pass for a touchdown. They, they, they'll throw to him in that sort of instance, but he never runs any routes. It's always just kind of drifting out and catching it. They'll, they'll, they'll set up a screen perfectly for him, but... You know that that's about as good as you're going to get from him. Uh, but yeah, if he could, if he could catch just a few more passes, oh. But they, you know, aside from one game against uh, Carolina where Deion Lewis was ex- inexplicably getting key carries in the second quarter and coughing it up, for the most part, they they've been smart enough to realize, okay, we need Henry on the field at all times. 
Because the thing is, when Deion Lewis comes in, you're not going to run between the tackles with him that much. He's like the reverse uh, of uh, Jordan Howard from last year. When Jordan Howard came in the game, you knew they weren't, he wasn't going to run routes. He became kind of made the Bears one-dimensional. And I kind of think the same thing it happens the opposite with Deion Lewis. Yeah, no, I think that's probably right. And just you just have to commit so many more resources to the the run game. And so if you don't run, then your receivers have an advantage too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh at, at any rate, I uh yeah, you know, I I yeah, I, I wish I had more of them. I made big mistake in a dynasty league. I turned down uh pick one point two this year in a dynasty league, which I used on David Montgomery, uh for Derrick Henry. And Henry is like t- four years older. So I, it, it, the narrative can change. Remember Henry was a bust the first couple of years, at least relative to expectation. So things can change. You know, the bears offense might not become Neil, you know, the Neanderthal like eventually might actually be a decent offense someday. And hopefully Montgomery's still around to see the benefit. Is Montgomery good? Like we don't, I guess we didn't know that Henry was good until he got a shot. Right. Who was blocking Henry? I can't remember. Who was the guy ahead of him? Uh, well, it's, it's only been Deion Lewis for the last couple of years. There was someone else. Right. That was ahead of him. He was the backup and then somebody left and then Henry became the starter. Who was the Titan starter in 2016 and 15? Uh, it was at, um, Oh, this is always great to great live podcasting here, but, uh, <laughs> it's, it's driving you crazy. So you have to figure it out. Yes, of course. Cause you're not going to look it up. I mean, you're just going to, you just asked I'm the looking questions. it up right now. I don't know. I, I just, I just remember there was someone else there and then they left and then it was like, okay, well, I want um, to go back in the old school machine and say Eddie George, but I know that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't it weird? Sometimes I'm trying to figure out something from a couple of years ago, and I have a gap. Like I know what's going on now, and I know what's going on 15 years ago. Demarco Murray, but like 2012. I've got this big blank, and I can't, I can't get to it. Demarco Murray, that's who it was. Yeah, age 29, the 2017 season. I think he was only there for one year, though, right? I think before yeah, he was that, there in 2016, DeMarco Murray was actually good in 2016. So yeah, 16, he was good and 17. He was a flat tire. That's it. Right. Yeah. That was it. That was who was blocking Henry. That's who it was. So, um, yeah, he just, you know, Henry's 247 pounds and he runs a four or five. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you get, I, I don't know. I mean, people really try to oversimplify football. They, they act like, well, passing is more efficient. So you must pass. And, you know, and I just wonder like, what is the effect on the defense of having this guy who's 247 pounds, get up to full speed, you know, smashing into your safeties and cornerbacks. I mean, what is the, you know, and then the next play you've got to go cover some, well, you know, uh, AJ Brown is a beast of a receiver too. He's 240 pounds or whatever it, you know, it's at five eleven or six feet. So, you know, what, what the next, you know, the next play you've got to cover this guy and you're getting run over by Henry. I, I do think that, having, and, and then, you know, what personnel groupings are on the field at a given time, because you have to deal with this guy. You can't go nickel and dime defense against, you know, a back that's just going to murder your, your DBs. So I think, I think the NFL is, is complex and these different kind of players that are freaks give you this, you know, some strange advantages, just like a, a video game where, you know, different, you have a player that can do one particular thing and the, the other team, they got to figure out how to stop it. Yeah. It's funny though. I think what's considered a successful season and what's not, we were talking about Chubb earlier. Chubb averages more yards per game has six touchdowns. I think Henry's got eight. Uh, got 10. Henry's got 10. Total Henry's got 10 total Two two receiving. You're right. Eight rushing two receiving 
Chubb's actually caught more passes. He's had 27 catches. Henry's had 13. But Henry took two to the house. I mean, that's part of it. And Henry, they have the same amount of passing, of receiving yards. Henry's yep. gotten a lot. He's got 12.8 well, one, yards. One got... was 75 yards, basically. That's the difference. Yeah. Uh, right, but that's that's a big help. A and big then the other thing is that, that yeah. Chubb got all his receiving when Hunt was suspended. Yeah. So, and, and Chubb was drafted a ra- two rounds earlier than Henry. Is the other difference. Henry, in some cases, might have been drafted into the second round. Right. But for You're the most part, he was the third round guy. I think they're similar. I think Chubb will get in the end zone. He's going to. And then when he does, he's going to basically be Derrick Henry, which right. is a good thing to be. It's, it's yeah. good. You know, it's like he's, he's going to lose the advantage in receptions, which he had the first half of the season. But he's going to basically be the same, you know, pretty much that guy. And it's not a bad thing to be. Yeah. I just think it's a funny illustration of perceptions on what who's who's had a successful season and who hasn't. That's all um, because so Chubb has had a successful season. Yeah. It's just that uh, I got into the argument with Dalton Del Don because he was drafting him. He was putting him fourth overall on his board. Yeah. So what's your board looking like now? Uh, if you're drafting today, the rest of the season, who's your top five? Um, it's easy. Uh, one is McCaffrey. Yep. Two right now I have Michael Thomas. Okay. I also think that Michael Thomas is going to benefit because the saints know that he's going to break the rece- receptions record. He's got 94 in 10 games. He's on pace for like 150 something. And the record is like 143, I believe by Marvin Harrison. So when they get into like, you know, the one thirties, they're going to make sure he gets that record. Number three, I have Zeke, but I don't know The Pollard catching four passes makes me a little nervous. I do think, you know, being on Dallas, is still, you know, going forward, he's still in pretty good shape. And then I have Cook four. I might swap uh, Zeke and Cook, though. And then five, I have Kamara. Yeah. Okay. Kamara is the – so let's talk Kamara here a little bit here because, you know, he's missed the time. He's got a timeshare. It's a little bit uh, different than the other other top backs. Hey, he's back. He's he's all the way back. He looked pretty good. He was he making did, people miss yesterday against Tampa Bay, which is he a had good eleven. Team. He had like eleven catches and like fourteen carries or something. He, he's he's himself. Thing about him is he's the only non-feature back. McCaffrey was this last year, but now he's everything. Um, he's the only non-feature back to be a top five pick because I'm going to move Zeke to five behind Kamara and Elliott Raynon and save that. But he's because um, he has so many receptions. Yeah, which are so valuable, and he gets goal line carries, so he gets. Cat. You know how many touchdowns Kamara has this year? How many? Two. One rushing, yeah. one receiving. But he's got. Yeah, in eight but games. That's just a fu- that's just a function of him missing time and Breeze being out and stuff. I, I think he's going to be the guy still. You think so? Okay. I mean. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't. It's not like you know Latavius Murray did all his damage when uh, Kamara was out. Yeah. I don't know. Kamara, I mean, Kamara, Kamara had 18 touchdowns last year and he had 13 his rookie year He had 18 touchdowns in 15 games last year, 10 for 10 in targets yesterday against the bucks. They were all short catches, 10 for 47, but 10 catches that pays the bills for sure. And in, uh, in PPR leagues, that's uh, in a standard he's, league. You're know, probably not I, happy about it, but he, yeah, he's finally back, I think. And, <laughs> and he'll get goal line work and he'll get, you know, he'll, he'll give up some goal line work to, to Murray. He's not going to get all the goal line work, but it'll be like last year with Ingram, you know, 50, 50 at the goal line and all the catches. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the one though. It's like, I have a hard time with where I rank him sometimes just because 
I'm worried a little bit about uh, the goal line work, uh, whether Murray going forward, like, do they try to preserve Kamara a little bit, not get him? Because, you know, those those are tougher carries. The short yard, converting the third and ones, fourth and ones, the goal line carries, those are tougher. Yeah, but I don't think he's had real durability issues. He got hurt once in a Thursday night game two years ago as a rookie, and he missed a couple games this year. What was his injury this year? Uh, Ankle and knee, right? Something, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if they're like so worried about him that they're going to take him out the goal line. All right. Well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, want to talk about, uh, you know, uh, Paul, and I'm just looking up his injuries here just a little bit there just to make sure. But uh, I, I know it was an ankle for a while because then there was the, the question. It was knee and ankle. That's right. Okay, I was right all along. Yay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about a uh, couple things. One, we haven't talked about my Bengals yet. We didn't even talk about it on the show today, which is kind of interesting. I, n- I usually get to that. And two, I want to talk about a couple of uh, pickup options. But first... The NFL season is in full swing at Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo Cup is free to enter, and a perfect lineup will win you $1 million every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 and a United States citizen, there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy today. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. So most co- popular uh, survivor pick in a lot of places, one of the, big, the highest. Uh, so, sorry to interrupt, Jeff. Let me just let me just wrap up the Camara uh, Murray thing because I just sure looked thing. at some things. Uh, Murray has had total this year. Two carries inside the five. They're both in a game where, um, where Camara was out, and he's had ten carries inside the ten, eight of which were in the two games that Camara was out. Okay. So, how many carries did Camara have in there? I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look at that right now. But I was just looking up uh, Murray's carry. Like he's, they really haven't used him from in close very much, except when he was out, and he did really well. And now, um, by the way, rotowire.com slash radio. It's all here. So the, uh, Camara's had three carries. Camara had four inside the 10 rushes in week three and three inside the five in week three, one inside the 10 in week five, and then none since, you know, his injury. But basically when they were both healthy, Camara had more, but almost nobody, somebody else, I mean, I don't know if there's some fullback or Taysom Hill or some annoying. I was just going to say, that's it. They, they throw a lot and they do funky things like Taysom Hill and all that inside. And that's what kind of takes away the goal line carries from him a little bit. Yeah. But he scored 18 last year. He had 14 and four. So, you know, they all, they still did that last year. Taysom Hill. I'm looking at his, uh, red zone rushes. Yeah. He had not really he had a couple in week six. Not really. It's just weird. They just haven't thrown much. I mean, they haven't run much from in close. And it seems like they've also maybe caught, you know, scored some of their touchdowns from outside the five, probably, is another thing. Well, yeah, like 20 yard. But, you know, Michael Thomas only has five touchdowns. Yeah. They're, they're strange, the Saints, they are. They're, weird. they're a weird team. All right. So if you looked at the odds for last week, the highest uh, expected points were the Oakland Raiders against the Bengals. Uh, they were a ten and a half point favorite, ten point favorite in some places. Uh, they were a pretty hefty survivor pick. 
They won 17-10, but it was close all along. They didn't really, I mean, Josh Jacobs got his yards and all that, but they really didn't kind of, they didn't really cash in on what we expected out of that game. They should have covered though, because they had it first and goal from the one and the Bengals jumped, but they called it a false start on incognito. And it was at the six and they settled for a field goal to make it seven. And that was the last score of the game. And Jeff Driscoll had like 3.7 yards per attempt. Not Jeff Driscoll. Sorry. That's last year's Ryan Finley. Ryan Finley at 3.7. Jeff Driscoll is actually not that bad anymore. Um, he had like 3.7 yards. Per Look, I don't, you know, obviously the Bengals could have scored, but um, they weren't really moving the ball at all. They had a couple turnovers. I don't know. The Raiders, they're really, it was annoying because I had carbon car did. Okay. He rushed for a touchdown and threw another one, but he, they use the entire play clock. I mean, it's like every time it's down to two seconds or less and you're like, all right, I'm just not going to get that much fantasy production because they're just really playing at a glacial pace. They are. They really are. And maybe that just suits. That's the way they, you know, they've kind of like the Cowboys have done in the past uh, where they, the coincidence is both teams have strong offensive lines and like to build around the run. At least they did in the past in the case of the Cowboys when they were so slow. I don't, I don't know what their pace is like this year, actually. That's something I need to look up, but I know in the past that's been a thing for them. That's, that's a feature, not a bug. Yeah. Well, there's two aspects, right? One is like how often you run, which keeps the clock moving instead of an incomplete pass. And the other is how quickly do you get to the line, which I consider pace because you know, if the defense has to, no, I get that distinction. Play. Yeah. So, I mean, those are related maybe, but the, the, I don't know. I mean, the Raiders like to run also, but they're, they just, they just take the entire clock. So, you know, well, yeah. So if there is a running play, they're going to squander a full 35 seconds. And then secondly, um, you know, the defense just not going to get that worn out. You'd think if you had just a nasty offensive line and a good running back, which the Raiders kind of do, you might want to like get up to the line quickly and just knock them out. Yeah. Well, that was the chip Kelly way. They ran a lot, but they ran fast. Right. Kyle Shanahan, I think is pretty quick too. Yeah. That's something I, I, you know, I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to that pace is something you, that became a lot more popular with hoops, obviously for different reasons, you know, number of possessions, all that, but Football, you know, I don't. Well, it's the same with the NFL, right? It's the same. I mean, number of possessions, right? You might get an extra couple of possessions. And there's Arizona that wants to run a ton of plays. We all we know that. That's one of their things that they wear you down. They want to run a lot of plays. And by the way, I think it's kind of working. I mean, Kyler Murray didn't throw for a lot of yards against the Niners, but he's another guy. You talked about this earlier. He looks good. He looks like he's going to be a star. Yeah, he looks like Russell Wilson to me. By the way, San Francisco not fast. Seconds per play. I'm looking on a football outsiders page. Okay. About they're like 23rd or something like that. <laughs> so they're in seconds per play. They actually, uh, are slow. Um, it might be that they're also nine and one. It's hard to be fast when you're nine and one Although new England is nine and one and they're about 13th, 12th or 13th. I bet they'd be like first or second if they were, you know, trailing more. The thing about but, new uh, England to me is they're selectively fast. Like if they've got yeah. you in a, uh, they trapped in a personnel group that's, you know, that they like, that's favorable to them. They will run no huddle. They'll be fast. They won't, you know, that was the whole conflict in the playoffs sometimes, you know, Pats and Ravens. And of course how they had, like they'd sneak a guy in and still try to run fast. And the, the, the Ravens, I think, you know, you got 
caught on that and you know, objected and all that. And so they kind of instituted the rule. If you substitute somebody in, you're supposed to wait to let the other team substitute accordingly. Uh, but you know, they, they try to run fast. They, they try to run fast when things are going well. So sometimes James White will get that goal line carry just because they got, they like their person right. group there. Um, or they got the first down throwing to him and right. that's who's still on the field right. and they don't want to sub. They're just going to go. New England is actually fourth in uh first half pace. So yeah. like they obviously slow it down because they've had a lead every game. So you're going to use the clock. Right. And the Niners are sort of average. They're 16th. So both, both teams are a little bit faster than the Which overall is the fastest team. distorted by their, uh, the Rams are the fastest. Well, sorry, the second half, the first half is the Rams are the fastest in the first half and the Cardinals are fastest overall Rams are second fastest. By the way, the Bengals, your Bengals are third fastest. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Dallas, by the way, is fourth fastest. Dallas used to be slow. Now they're fast. That's crazy. But they've been in a lot of shootouts though. And I think that, I think it illustrates that. They've been they've been like having to score quickly and been behind. In the Green Bay game comes to Green Bay game comes to mind as one of those type of games, you know. Uh, so and the first half is more uh, indicative because it's kind of like what you want to do, not what you're forced to do. Dallas is third though in first half. Yeah. By the way, it's funny. Dallas has had this is like the fourth time they've played somebody uh, that hasn't had their starting quarterback. This is the first time they've won. You know, they they got to play. Uh, they played Minnesota, or are they are with our. Maybe it wasn't that. It was without a key player. Like they played Detroit without Stafford. They played uh, Minnesota without Thielen. They played uh, the, the Packers without you know, Devontae Adams. They they. The point is, this is the first time they've overcome that. All the other times, they they actually lost those games. So it's, you mean it's the first time. They weren't. They didn't overcome playing playing somebody with a weakness. They overcame. Right. I mean, what did they overcome? I don't know. Jason Not, Garrett's ineptitude. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then the Saints without Drew Brees. That was the other one. Uh, oh, I was, right. I was remember reading something before the before the game yesterday uh, from a Cowboys blogger that I follow. I think was citing that, and he was like, uh, "This isn't the greatest sign necessarily." But and the thing is, the Lions the Lions were in that game all along. They had a lead at one point. Uh, if Driscoll runs for a first down instead of throws, I think they keep one drive going when they're down eight. The Lions did some cowardly stuff uh, in that game, too. They uh, punted from midfield. or well, they were going to punt from midfield. Then they went into this, and then I tweeted about it, and then they proved me wrong by then all of a sudden lining up for the fake and drawing the Cowboys offside, which was hilarious, and got a first down. Uh, the the epitaph to that story is though they went three and out and then still punted from plus territory because Lions. Right. Uh, and then later on, with two minutes left in the game, they punted from like their their own forty five. They had just gotten sacks. It was like fourth and twenty five or something like that. But you're down eight points with two minutes left. I mean, from yeah. midfield, I, I I don't know. I mean, with two timeouts left, I think I still go for it. Well, it was like third and twenty six though, right? Yeah, it was like fourth and twenty six, and they fourth uh, and twenty six. Yeah. They had the time. I think they were just they had the two minute warning in the timeouts. I think actually the punt is the right call because your chances of three and out are better than your chances of making a you know a fourth and twenty six. It's close. It's it's close. Considering how much Dak was carving them up yesterday, I know. But like, your, your and of course, of it was a pass like, that what, got that first four. down. One and four or something like that. Yeah. That first down is like one in 
20. I think if you have Stafford instead of Driscoll, you go for it. I don't know, man. One thir- third and 26 is like very, very low percentage. Yeah, it is. It is. I get it. The Bengals though, it screwed me. The Bengals, I knew my, the cover was shot with the Raiders. The Bengals converted to third and 19. Oh, the like, play that Auden Tate got hurt. That yep. was the one that Auden Tate got knocked down on. Yep. That's right. That's right. Um, so yeah, that it's, it's funny to see that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more lions in just one second, but first already knocked out of your survivor pool. Do you end up losing early in the season? Like Chris Liss, feeling your success is mostly based on luck. Wish there was some alternative where you could use your actual fantasy sports knowledge, as opposed to relying on whether a team wins or loses. Well, now there is world fantasy pools brings you the first of its kind game type stat based survivor pools. World Fantasy Pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools that players are familiar with and adds in a more exciting twist. Instead of choosing a team to win a game, you will use your fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete to achieve a designated stat line. Achieve the stat line and you advance. Fail to and you will be eliminated. Be the last to survive or make it through all rounds to win or split the prize pool. Just choose one athlete each round to achieve a designated stat line to advance and win. It's that simple. Sign up and play today at www.worldfantasypools.com. So the Lions, you know, a lot of money was spent earlier on Ty Johnson in Fab, and that's obviously hasn't worked out. Uh, And then they had another guy come in. He's since been put on IR uh, to start the the first game uh, where uh, Carrion Johnson was out. No matter. Today or yesterday is Bo Scarborough who was the uh, first back out there, got 49% of the uh, snaps, a decent amount of the carries, and looks to be like the guy going forward for a little while. What do you know about Bo Scarborough, Chris, and are you going to be bidding on him heavy this week? I mean, I don't know about heavy, but I'll put in bids for starting running back, especially in that league where I lost Marlon Mack. Um, I don't even know who he is. You know, I I added him to the cheat sheet because he he had a good game. He's going to be somebody who might get carries going forward. The Lions couldn't run at all until this week. And, you know, he only had 14 carries for 55 yards. It's not like he went crazy or anything. Um, I guess his seventh round draft pick last year at Alabama, I assume he was on like the practice squad or something. They promoted him. He runs a four five. He's like, you know, four five, two at six, one, two thirty five. Really good athleticism is everything like vertical. I'm looking broad jump, all the like explosive athletic traits. Yeah, maybe he's good. Who knows? I he's, mean, he's another backs, one of those guys that shared the backfield at Alabama. So you know, because they're so loaded, he can't ever be a feature back there. However, he's not pass catcher at all. Didn't get targeted yeah. yesterday. Twenty-two targets in his last season at Alabama. Five the year before that. He, he's just not much of a pass catcher. Durability is a problem. Mario Puig was writing in his article today, uh, or yesterday, in his observation article about that. Uh, he signed with the practice squad. Earlier this week, he was waived by Seattle earlier this season. Uh, and then it was on their, I think, on their practice squad for a while. And they got claimed. Uh, but, you know, he, he's been a, you know, he, he got beat out by like CJ Procise and Travis Homer and other illustrious names. So, you know, the Lions are just trying to find whatever they can. And all of a sudden now he's got this opportunity. Yeah, running back is so... Um... There's a few guys who are really, really good, and most guys are just good enough to be team dependent. And then once in a while, you'll have someone like Paul Perkins or Trent Richardson or somebody that just isn't good enough, can't stay in the league. And Trent Richardson's a very odd case because of where he was drafted, but right. 
and he just wasn't good enough. And in the right situation, any of these guys can be good. And possession is nine tenths of the law. If you've got the carries and you're a running back, you deserve a bid. And, you know, as you said, he was from Alabama and he very, you know, the athletic specs are there. There's no reason he can't be decent, but yeah, you're right. With that, without the uh, pass catching and the lines are not exactly a good offense with Stafford likely out for a few more weeks. Um, maybe not, if not the whole year, it's, it's, you know, it's, nobody good has come in fab this year. So you probably have a lot of money left. So knock yourself out, but don't be, don't get too excited. Right. Exactly. And now the other option is Jonathan Williams and you and I are both Marlon Mack owners on good and our respective good NFFC teams. Uh, so we're probably going to be in the business of going, going after Jonathan Williams. I don't know if I have enough fab to get him or not, but I'm going to probably be pretty aggressive because I think Jordan Wilkins isn't going to be able to go for Thursday. So at least for this week, that could be pretty big. Yeah, I don't. I'm not going to get him because I'm low. I blew my uh, budget on uh, Will Fuller and Zach Pascal, neither of whom I've used. Fuller's injured, and Pascal I didn't have room for, but I just was had too much money and I didn't want to save it. Right. So I, it might cost me this guy. I mean, I don't think it's going to be Jonathan. I, maybe Jonathan Williams is good. I mean, he was the guy in Buffalo originally, and then he was in New Orleans. People got excited last year, and right. then nothing's really happened. Yeah. Uh, it was the guy in Buffalo that was really good for like half a year. He was a backup to LaShawn McCoy. And then he got, he smoked weed in the summer and gained weight. And then he just was never heard from again. I thought Carlos it was Williams. Williams. I thought it was Williams. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, he was like, a lot of people are drafting him as a handcuff one year and then he got straight up cut, which, yeah, but so Jonathan Williams is a successor. He was like the third string that year behind Carlos, I think, and behind McCoy, Carlos Williams. And then right. Jonathan yeah. Williams was like the new hot, you know, guy that people had to get, but Jonathan Williams got cut too, which was like a, a shock to everybody. So uh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, I've got a chance to get him in my NFFC. So there are people with more than me, but they have to be pretty darn aggressive to get them. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. There's all those backs. They get hyped up. Like what was that guy in Tampa for a while? And then he resurfaced somewhere else. Uh, I, used, I used to get him because everyone's saying his spark score was so good. Oh, I know what you're guys. talking about. Yeah. 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 The guy from Boise. Can't State. remember his name. Yeah. The other one was Jarek McKinnon. Everyone loved Jarek McKinnon. He was just like, okay. And then he got signed the big deal in San Francisco and then got hurt. Yeah. Uh, he I, was I, just, I, ah, it's driving me crazy. There's that Tampa. Jeremy that uh, something or other. Jer- yeah, that's right. Jeremy something. Uh, it was like two. I don't think he even played last year for them. Um, yeah. No, he's. It's like 2017. Just, yeah. Don't worry. People don't. People no, can. I, I, you, again, you can't do this to me. You can't just ask. <laughs> You get me every time with that. Um, I was always kind of a uh, yeah. Tampa Bay. There was all there was a couple of guys that were like that. I was kind of like always looking because well, it's always Peyton Barber, right? So like you know, it's like if it's Peyton Barber, you're like okay, someone can beat this guy out, and you're always hoping that it's going to be this good. Jeremy McNichols. Yeah, is that right? It's something like that. But. Uh, Live, fantastic uh, podcasting here right now, folks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Personal trivia. Yes. I was always a Charles, Charles Sims stan for some reason. I always oh, yeah, like. I said Charles Sims. BPR, how could you go wrong? Yeah. But uh, that, that's so funny. Yeah, I always kind of get on hooked on certain people there. And, you know, you read one thing, and that's enough to kind of get you on that. 
Uh, for what it's worth, I'll be bidding more on Williams than I will be on Scarborough. I may, I'll bid on, I'll, I'll I probably have to get one or the other because my alternative, like starting this week, is going to be pretty thin without Mac. I mean, it, it's so funny. Like, even for a, it's a fourteen team league. That's the thing. You have no depth. Things don't work out. You get screwed. I'm, I mean, I'm starting like Miles Sanders if I don't get, uh, if I don't get, uh, excuse me, either one of these guys. So, well, that's not that bad. Miles Sanders in a, you know, in a fourteen teamer. That's not that terrible. Yeah, it's maybe it's not that terrible, but it's also. I mean, you look what he did last week. Now, granted, it was against the Pats. That might be a big part of it there. Uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens uh, next. Now, if they face the Seahawks, it's not a great matchup either in Week 12. I mean, that that's my alternative. I mean, the thing is, and Jordan Howard might be healthy next week. You never know. So that that right. one, that big opportunity. But, you know, even then when Howard was healthy, Sanders has had some good games. So any port in a storm, I guess, but I'm hoping for Jonathan Williams. I would start Jonathan Williams over Sanders next week. If, uh, if I get him. now, the other thing is running backs on Thursday nights. Do you think that's a thing <laughs> like that? Because they have less time to recover. They, the running game might be worse, especially, uh, you know, if you, if you shouldered a big load on Sunday, then turn around and play on a Thursday. Uh, maybe I haven't really seen studies. I've seen studies that like overall the output is not re- might've been ever so slightly less, but not, you know, as a team, the team output was pretty much comparable Thursday, even though the guys are banged up, I guess both sides are banged up. Maybe it's kind of offsets. Yeah. I'm wondering about that. Uh, you would think the home team would have an advantage running the ball or something like that. But, uh, at any rate, I think it's, uh, something that I probably won't ever explore and get the answer to, but I do wonder what it is. If someone will do the work for me, great. Uh, but, uh, you know, just, am I lazy? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, uh, anyways, uh, anything else you're working on, Chris, uh, for East Coast offense this week? Yeah, I was thinking, I've, you know, I'm kicking around some ideas, and I was thinking about the idea. Last week I wrote about arbitrariness and how, you know, we're sort of just, it's just best to accept it, but that don't try to tell us that it's not arbitrary. This week, I think I'm going to talk about how most games just have no meaning. Like I was watching the bears Rams game and you know, I had the bears plus six and a half, so I didn't get the cover, but I easily could have got the cover. It just, the Rams kind of ground them down at the end, but there was just so much slop. And I think like most of the games, I'm like, oh, that just easily could have gone either way. And so many games that I, either I win or I lose could have easily gone either way. Like they're just, yeah. it just happened. Like the Raiders, they had the ball at the goal line. They get the false start, even though it was actually in offsides. They end up, I mean, they still could have scored, but they, they couldn't convert first and goal from the six kick a field goal and Bengals can't move the ball. So the Raiders content to just run out the clock. Um, that didn't mean anything. That wasn't that I was right and I should have won or I was wrong. And obviously the Bengals are the right side. It just was a zero meaning game. And I think in life and in like, just, you know, drafting, I think there's 10 guys you want to get ahead of ADP and there's 10 guys you want to avoid at ADP. And everything else has zero meaning. It's just, okay, yeah, that's the market is roughly, you can get lucky, you get a guy gets healthy, stays healthy or gets hurt, but pretty much the market's the market. But there's like 10% one side, 10% the other where there's meaning. You know, most games don't mean anything. They're, it's not just, they just have no meaning. They're just, it could have gone either way. This team happened to win versus, oh no, they showed something. They turned the corner. And maybe we don't always know the meaning, you know, contemporaneously to when the thing happens, but some, some events have meaning, but most don't, I guess that's my, or maybe they have some tiny bit of meaning that is, you know, un- unquantifiable, but that in general, like 
it's, it's sort of, uh, I don't know. I just, I was just thinking about it because I was watching these games and I was thinking it doesn't matter what my record is on these games. It's just truly arbitrary whether I win or lose. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could apply that to fantasy, to picks. Um, and honestly, I mean, it's kind of a what is life sort of thing question there, too. I mean, you want to really want to get down to arbitrariness yeah. and meaning and all that. But uh, I'm looking forward to reading you know, so it. I, I guess I'm saying like you could go deep and just say like, you know, you have no metaphysical certainty that anything has meaning. Right. But like, you know, on a, just a, a level, like a lot of the stuff, a lot of the conversations you have with people, you know, it, it's like sometimes – People get caught up. Oh, did I say something rude? Are they mad at me? Did that, I say something stupid? Like all that stuff. None of that has any meaning. You know, like most of the interactions never think about again, ever. Right. You know, it just, don't ever, it just has no meaning. But then like some things do. And it's sort of, I don't know. I just got that feeling watching the games. Like this batch of games clearly has no meaning that I'm watching. That's right. That's right. All right. Good. Looking forward to reading it. Uh, I'll be doing uh, value meter. You'll be doing East coast offense. Uh, I'll be looking forward to checking out Jerry's hidden stats. I always think that's helpful for my value meter too. So we'll check all that out. You guys, if you don't already subscribe to radio, you can get a free 10 day trial, go to rotowire.com slash pod. Check that out. Uh, and as always, thank you for listening. Uh, we got Joe and Jake tomorrow. Thanks to Yahoo for sponsoring. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.